0: Awesome, awesome. Life Church, come on, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. It is so good to see you all here today. If you don't know, my name is Matthew Jonathan Jansen. I am the lead pastor along with my beautiful wife, Tanya Jansen, here at Life Church. We get to serve alongside Pastors Mike and Ev as the associate pastors, and we are so thankful, so grateful to be your pastors. Um, We just celebrated our two-year anniversary here as lead pastors, and it has been a journey. It has been a wonderful journey. And again, we get up in the morning, we look at each other, and we say, this is what we get to do. Can you believe it? And um, it's amazing to be able to serve the body of Christ this way. I just want to recognize that there's a number of people here who uh, are new, also some people that I recognize that haven't been here for a while. So hello to you all, including our very own Pastor John Clark is here today. Come on. So glad that you're here, Pastor Johns. always good to have you here. Um, And it's going to be a wonderful morning. If you have not been with us, we are going through a series right now on our values. And you might say, well, we've done that already. We did it about two years ago. But we're doing a refresh on our values because faith comes by hearing and hearing. Amen? And so we always want to tie our vision back to our values. You'll often hear me say, hey, because we value prayer, we're having a prayer meeting tomorrow. Or you might hear me say, hey, we're going to have a time of worship because we are kingdom-minded. We're going to join with another church in a time of worship because we value being kingdom-minded. And so we always want to tie our, our vision back to our values. And so we are communicating those with you again. But as a refresh, if you haven't been with us, we're doing something very special in that we're having a different person come up each week and share a brief testimony about what that value means to them. And this morning, I'm going to be honest with you. I had a really hard time because this morning, the value is the value of prayer. And the statement is this, we are a house of prayer dependent on Jesus Christ. And so this morning, we're going to be talking about the value of prayer and trying to choose somebody who could come up and share about prayer was actually quite challenging because our house, you guys, is full of prayer warriors, I mean, there are so many people here who have given their lives to prayer. It's one of the things that we noticed immediately coming here is that there is a strong uh, group of people that meet together to pray over the church. And we always say that the prayer is the engine of the church. Come on, we don't want to go anywhere where God's not going. Amen? And so we need to stay close to him. And so one of the ways we do that is with our prayers, by communicating with God and hearing what he has to say. And so we have some amazing prayer warriors, but this morning I chose somebody, we chose somebody, Pastor Tanya and I chose somebody that we've known for a very long time, and we've seen the evidence of prayer and how it's impacted her life. And so this morning, I'd like to invite up an amazing woman, Tracy Mothy. Would you please come on up? And she's gonna share briefly on what the value of prayer means to her and how it's impacted her life
1: briefly oh boy (laughs) okay um i have to tell you i find um speaking about prayer both an honor and intimidating Um, prayer is very powerful and i feel like words are very powerful and prayer is words to god the almighty and i have to say that i believe with all my heart i wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for prayer so whether it be prayer from my my mother-in-law, thank you, whether it be prayers for my grandmother, or prayers just from God asking people to pray, because I never grew up in a Christian home. I grew up in a home that didn't believe, and it was just through prayers, I believe, with all my heart that God brought me to this place. And so for all of you, pray. Pray for your family. Pray for your friends. My parents weren't Christians when we were growing up. We prayed. We prayed. In fact, my husband says that was one thing that attracted him to me. Girls. (laughs) Was that I had faith and I prayed. And, and he, I remember one story I said today when we were dating, we were so excited. We got to pray before dinner tonight. We got to pray before dinner tonight. And I was bouncing. And he's like, We do that all the time. And so often we forget and we neglect the power of prayer, the honor of prayer. We forget that when we're praying, it's really opening the heavenlies. You know, I remember I was reading, and it was saying in this book that when we pray, it's like we have a huge mountain in front of us. So here's me and my twin. We're praying for our parents because they don't know God. My mom and my stepdad, and my dad and his wife. My parents were divorced, they both remarried. We're praying for our families. We're praying that they come to know God because none of them know God. And it was like as we pray, we're, this huge mountain of unbelief is in front of us. And as we pray, we're digging. We're digging. We're digging. But what you don't understand is God's on the other side of the mountain with a high hole, and he is digging and digging and digging. And so you need to remember that it's not just our prayers. As we pray, it joins with God and the prayers of the saints, and it joins with Jesus praying by his side as well. It's like, you know, I liken it to sometimes it's, you know, you're going to go, and I don't want to vote. What's my one vote? It's not just one vote. It's the votes of many. So when you want to pray, sometimes it's like, God, it doesn't matter if I pray this, that, or the other. No, 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 no. It's not just your prayers. It's the prayers of many. It's the prayers of your parents. It's the prayers of the kids. It's the prayers of the the pastors. It's the prayers of Jesus Almighty on the throne room praying on our behalf. So you need to remember when God's calling you to pray, it's not just one prayer. It's all prayers. And I remember, like, some people ask me, both our kids are in church, and we love them, and they're serving their Lord, and parents are like, how? How did you do that? And any advice that I want to give parents, actually, I want to give any of you who's praying for your, your friends or, or praying for your parents, talk less, pray more. Talk less, pray more. So often, we talk in our own human existence, and we mumble, and we, we mess up. Pray more. And I can tell you that before my dad passed away, we had the honor of praying with him. He accepted the Lord. the Lord. And when we, before Doug and I got married, my mom and dad, my mom and my stepdad accepted the Lord. And so it's amazing. We, they were baptized. We were there. It was in this room, right up here. My parents got baptized. And it was answered to prayers. God doesn't always answer right away, but God's there. He's listening. He's listening. And I remember Pastor Ev Eve said once when our kids were young adults, or young teens, I guess, in school, and I was chatting, and she said, pray in your kids' rooms while you're cleaning them. Pray when you're doing their laundry. God, I pray you would take off the dirt of the world off of my son. God, I pray that you would just cleanse him, cleanse him with the blood of Jesus. Pray when you're vacuuming. God, I pray that you would clean this room. I remember once one of our kids was a little bit rebellious, and I thought, God, what is going on? What is going on? I sensed there was a bit of a difference. And I thought, I'm going to go in, in their room, and I'm going to pray. And I'm praying, God, what is it? Clean whatever's in. What is, and God led me to something that was in the room. It was like a, an evil book of some sort of whatever. And God's like, get that book out of there. And I got that book out of there, and I saw a difference. Pray. Pray for wisdom. Pray. Pray that God will direct you and lead you in every area of your life. You young kids, pray. Because you know what? God hears every prayer. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter what stage of life you're in. Because God listens. And sometimes God's going to put a thought in your mind to pray for so-and-so and and -and such-and-such. And you may not even know why. And you pray, and all of a sudden, that person is like, oh, my gosh, you know what? This happened, that happened. And you're like, God, I'm so glad that I obeyed you and that I prayed for that person. Because those those prayers helped the situation. And so I would just encourage all of you, you know, pray. And I'm just going to read. I was reading this book on prayer. And there's a little short story on prayer and on um, how it hinders the enemy. And so... If you could just indulge me, I'm just going to read this little story. Satan called a worldwide convention. In his opening address to his throng of demons, he said, we can't keep the Christians from going to church. We can't keep them from worshiping God or reading their Bibles. We can't even keep them from being good, but we can do something else. We can keep them from tapping into the power of prayer. Yes, that is our goal, to keep them from the one thing that is the greatest threat To our world dominance did you hear that prayer the greatest threat to satan's world dominance i commission you to make this your highest aim keep the church from praying he continued if they realize what they can accomplish in prayer then we will lose this war so let them go to church let them have their christian lifestyles but minimize this discipline steal their time their energy their hunger so they will not gather together in prayer at all costs, this is what I want you to do. Distract them from gaining hold of prayer. How should we do this, asked his demons. Keep them busy with the non-essentials of life. Unleach an assault of things to occupy their minds, he answered. Tempt them to spend, spend, spend. Borrow, borrow, borrow. Convince them to work six or seven days a week, 10 to 12 hours a day, so they can afford their lifestyles. Keep them from spending their time with their children. As their families fragment, soon their homes will offer no escape From the pressures of work. Overstimulate their minds. Cause them to be addicted to frivolous things, things that add little to no value to their walk with God. Entice them to watch YouTube, Netflix, and listen to meaningless podcasts. Have them fixated with social media so they spend hours scanning, reading, and responding to posts. Keep them and their children enamored with video games. Also, keep them occupied with information and more information. He added, Even in their recreation, let them be excessive. Have them make family their highest of all priorities. Have them return from their holidays exhausted, disquieted, and disengaged. Make their personal happiness their supreme objective. Condemn them from their past mistakes so they feel ineffective and unworthy to pray with others. Also, my favorite, highlight all their failures in prayer. You know, the things they prayed for and that was never answered. He added, let them be involved in evangelism. Without prayer, they will lack power. Did you hear that? Without prayer, they will lack power. But crowd their lives with so many good causes that they have no time to pray, to seek power from Christ. Soon, they'll be working in their own strength, sacrificing their health and their family unity for the good of the cause. Above all things, sacrifice whatever you need in order to minimize the priority of prayer. At all costs, he shouted, keep them from praying. You know, Jesus said my house will be a house of prayer. And I believe, yes, the church, this will be a house of prayer. But you know what? This will be a house of prayer too. This will be a house of prayer that's going to pray for my kids, that's going to pray for my marriage, that's going to pray for our government. That's going to pray for our city. Can you imagine if everybody here started praying for our government? Could you imagine the power that God would have, you know, unleashing his angels if we would all pray for our government, if we would all pray for our country, if we would all pray for our pastors? So I just want to encourage you and I want to challenge you. This is a house of prayer and this is a house of prayer. Be a house of prayer. Be a house of prayer with your family, with your kids. Let them see you praying. I said to my son one day, like, I didn't really teach you this or that. He goes, Mom, you didn't teach me, but you lived it. Let them see it, because so often, that's more that they're going to remember than what they hear. Remember, talk less, pray more.
0: So good. So good. Thank you for sharing that. I love that segment that we're doing right now in this series. Um, The power of prayer is what we're going to be talking about this morning the joy that comes from prayer and the power of relationship with Jesus as well if you have your bibles this morning i'd like you to turn with me turn with me to mark chapter 11 verse 15 it's going to be our text this morning along with another passage from one of paul's letters but mark chapter 11 Verses fifteen and seventeen, and again, our statement is: we are a house of prayer, dependent on Jesus Christ. In fact, let's just read that together. Can you go back to that thing before? One, the one, yeah. Thank you. Prayer, everybody together. One, two, three. We are a house of prayer, dependent on Jesus Christ. Amen. Mark chapter eleven, verse fifteen to seventeen. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation this morning. When they arrived back in Jerusalem. Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out the people buying and selling animals for sacrifices. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves, and he stopped everyone from using the temple as a marketplace. He said to them, The Scriptures declare, My temple will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. Next, Colossians Chapter 4, verse 2, again from the New Living Translation. It says this, Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your word, that again your word is living and active, Lord Jesus. God, that your word will accomplish what it is set out to do. It will not return void. And I thank you this morning, Lord God. I pray that you would take these lips of mine, Lord God, these words of mine and this mind of mine, Lord Jesus, and you could help it to come into alignment with your word. Father God, help me to declare your word with truth and with unction, Lord Jesus. And I pray, Lord God, that you would anoint the speaker today, Lord Jesus, so that the people could hear your word, Lord Jesus, and be changed by it. Father God, I pray in Jesus' name, Lord God, that you would move in this place today, God, that not one person would leave the same, God, but that we would all be changed. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said, amen, amen. Well, you might be wondering why I chose this particular story this morning. And as I was praying into this morning, this is kind of the the, the launching pad that I felt like God had for us. How many know that we need to experience the power of prayer in our lives. That prayer is something that is constant. It is something that is temporary. It's something that we do in a moment. It is something that we do all the time. It's something that we need more of. How many you know that you, you, you could, I, can ne- I could come to you today and say, listen, there's one thing that you can do more and more if you want to, and that is pray. You could never pray enough. We need the power of prayer in our lives. And I love that testimony this morning from Tracy about how the power of prayer impacted her even as she raised her kids. You know, we need the power of prayer for our jobs. We need the power of prayer for our marriages. We need the power of prayer for our church, life. Church, We need the power of prayer. But in the story we just read here, it's a story of Jesus cleansing the temple. And in order for us to understand what was going on here behind the scenes, it says here that that he he was stopping everybody from using the temple as a marketplace. And the temple was the place of connection. The temple was the place for the Jews of relationship. It was the place where they came to practice their faith. It was the place of sacrifice. And I'm sure it didn't start out this way, but over time, there was a group of people that began to gather outside the temple. Because you see, when you came to the temple, you were required to bring a sacrifice with you. And there were many people that began to come from different areas and different nations and different uh, uh, communities from around the area. And they would come in and they would not have a sacrifice to bring. And so a small little uh, uh, a fringe market began to, to, to grow outside of the temple. And there's a group of people that began to sell animals for sacrifice. Another thing that was required when you came to the temple, you actually had to bring a temple tax with you as well. And so there's this other small group of people that began to gather because uh, the priest said, there's no way that we're going to let you pay that temple tax with a coin that has the image of a foreign emperor or a foreign god on it. It has to be a certain type of coin." And so people would come into the temple, they would have their their sacrifice, so they'd have to purchase it there uh, conveniently so that they could go in and bring the sacrifice to God. Or they would also have to change out their foreign currency for the currency of the temple in order for them to be able to give a proper temple tax to the Lord. I think the heart was right. I think at the beginning this was just a means for allowing people to be able to do that. But over time, this little small cottage industry had grown into this massive marketplace outside of the temple. And Jesus comes in to this marketplace. And the Bible says he comes back to Jerusalem and goes to the temple and walks into this place. Now, first of all, just just, just think about this for a minute. Think about how awkward this must have been for the disciples, I mean, we don't know if the disciples were there, but we can imagine that they followed him everywhere. And and Peter walks in, and and he's kind of just, yeah, this is the temple. This is what we do. And, oh, there's Luke. Hey, what's up, Luke? How you doing, man? High five. Good to see you. You know, over here. And, hey, what's going on? And all of a sudden, in the background, you hear this. And the tables are getting knocked over. And Jesus goes off. He goes, WWE on the temple and on these money changers. He just starts, like, taking, turning over tables. He's knocking donkeys on their back and saying, getting out of here, you know, sheep, picking them up and carrying them out of there and moving them over. It says he, 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 the people that were selling the doves, he, he, he moves the doves out of the way, and he gets them out of that place, and he moves everything out of the way. And, and, and Peter's probably standing there going. And Jesus says this. He says, the Scriptures declare that my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, But you have turned it into a den of thieves. You see, the place of connection had become a place of transaction. The place where the supernatural was meant to to, to connect with the natural, now the natural was overwhelming the supernatural. Life in this world system were intruding upon the sacred. And what was meant to be a beautiful relationship was being overcome by a relationship that was transactional. Is it possible that that Jesus' anger here is because what was being shown to the people as they approached the place of connection to God, what was being shown to them is this idea that our relationship with God is simply a transaction. That I can come I can bring my sacrifice. I can do my thing. Now I can check that off the list and I can move on to the next thing. Could it be that that is the thing that Jesus is the most upset with? Because ultimately the heart of God is not about a transaction. It's about a relationship. That I may know him. And this great anger that erupted in him that, that must have thrown the disciples off, that must have you know, messed up with so many people saying, what, what are you trying to do? That great anger is probably, and I, I pr- propose to you that it's because Jesus was saying, listen, it's not about the transaction. It's about the relationship. Do you know me? And he contrasts this. He says, this has become a den of thieves. It's become not what I envisioned for people when I put this system in place. But I have called this instead, what does he call it? Does he call it, uh, you know, a house of sacrifice? Does he call it a house of worship? No, he calls it a house of prayer. Because prayer is evidence of a relationship with Jesus. Jesus. How many know that relationships, when they're built upon transactions, can only go so far? How many know that you can't have a marriage that is a transactional marriage and have it last very long in a healthy way? I mean, can you imagine? You know, I, I, I meet this beautiful woman, Tanya, and I put together this contract. and I'm like, okay, babe, here it is. Here's what we're going to do. 8.15 every morning, I want my clothes laid out on the chair. Oh, by the way, I want three eggs, not two, three eggs, and I want them poached to X amount of degrees with a little bit of cheese sprinkled on top. Oh, and also um, at 9 o'clock, I expect uh, to have the front door open for me and a kiss on the cheek as I leave for work. And then I'm going to drive over to my office. You are not to call me during the day. And when I come home at night, I expect to be greeted with another kiss. And also in the contract, we will have steak at least one day a week. Yeah, nice, right? That's not a marriage, you guys. I don't know if you realize that. That is not a marriage. This is not a marriage sermon. I'm not trying to tell you this is how you should have a marriage. That is not a marriage. Okay, that's a business. That's That depersonalizes the relationship, right? A marriage is not transactional. A marriage is about relationship. I get up at my, you guys, I married, I won the lottery when I married Tanya Jansen. Let me tell you, this woman is amazing. Can I just honor her? Man, she just serves and just, she does so much for me. Um, you know, she, she um, I, I'm not even going to start because I'm going to embarrass her. I'm going to embarrass me too because I'm going to look really dumb because she does everything for me this outfit? Yeah, that's her. Just being honest with you, it's true. It's a relationship. It's not a transaction. God is after relationship. It's not a transaction. But how often have we, you know, distilled down this idea of prayer down to this idea of transaction? Okay, God, I have this need right now, and I'm going to pray because your word says to pray, and I'm expecting you to answer my prayer. Okay, here we go. Uh, I need this right now. Okay, thank you. And we go on with our day. And God's like standing there going, no, no, just just wait. Just, just wait. We're not done yet. You just, you just brought me the, the transaction. But I, but I want to know how you're doing. I want to know your heart. I want to see where you're burdened right now. This isn't just a transaction. I'm not just the, the vending machine in the sky but I'm your heavenly Father who loves you. So bring your burdens to me. Why do you think it is that the Bible tells us to to, to cast all your cares upon him? It's because he cares for you. Bring your burdens to his feet. Bring your struggles to him. Why? That you may know him and that he might know you. Prayer is not meant to be a transaction. Prayer is meant to be a connection with our loving Father. Amen. Amen. You know, it when a relationship moves too far towards the transactional, you also quickly lose the joy of that relationship. Do you know that? You have to intentionally choose to invest in your relationships. Um, you, you, we see that even with our family. You know, like with the family, when you've got kids, let me tell you something, it is nuts. We, we recently went away for a, um, a, 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 we went to a conference, and we had a, a situation where some of our childcare kind of got moved around, and so we had to figure out rides. And my beautiful wife stayed up for like two hours, writing out like this schedule by hand. It turned into this like three-page like masterpiece of scheduling and, and, and putting things together. And she was able to like, figure out the schedule. Okay, you're going to pick up this person here. They're going over here. They're doing this. They're doing this and they're doing that. And, and, and life just gets so busy, even when you have a family, that it's very easy for it to become transactional. Okay, kids, so you get up at 8 in the morning, right? You, oh, 7.30 in the morning, you better be up and ready. You got to get your clothes on. Okay, then I'm going to drive you here. Then I'm going to do this. Now you got your orthodontist appointment over here. Now you got soccer over here. Okay, now we got voice lessons over here. Now we got to go to worship practice. Now we're going to do this. Now we're going to do that. It just becomes this big transaction. And so this last weekend, we made a choice to do something that was like, didn't make any sense in the transaction. Didn't make sense in the schedule. the schedule. We stopped. And we said, okay, we're going for a hike. And the kids are like, do we have? And we said, yeah, I'd rather stay home. I I know. I get it. We're all tired. But this is actually what it's all about. It's actually about relationship. And you know how you build relationships, church? You build relationship through time, through words, and through actions, you build relationship by spending time together, by speaking together. That's why at the end of the day, we try and sit down with our kids, and we ask them, hey, what was the high of your day today? Right, right, cutie? And then we always ask, and what was the low today? And sometimes we're like, the high today was eating dinner or whatever, you know. And, and, and But we're like, no, no, like really, what was Because we want to know your heart. Because it's actually about relationship. This isn't a transaction. This is a relationship. So we spend time together, and we, we speak together. And then we do things together. And when you do that intentionally, it creates relationship. And church, it's the same thing in our prayer life. We need to spend time in the presence of God. We need to speak words to him because he's worthy and because he's holy and because he loves us and because he's waiting for us just to connect with him. And then we need to live a life that includes him in everything that we do. Amen? It's not just a transaction it's a relationship. Jesus contrasts what's happening here in the story between this den of thieves, which is a transactional and therefore broken and joyless relationship with a house of prayer for all nations. It's a place of right relationship. And I love how you brought that forward today, Tracy, that That the Bible says in the book of, uh, Paul says it in two different places in his letters. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are the house of prayer. We carry the presence of God. We are carriers of his kingdom. And so therefore, this call is to us. Don't let your life be a, a den of thieves or a transactional place. But let your life be a relationship that is communing and connecting with the almighty God amen so how do we do this how do we live this out we're going to use Colossians 4 2 as our three points today just as some very practical ways that we can live this out and uh, and then I'm going to give you a charge at the end today okay so this is what Colossians 4: 2 says devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart and so we begin this this passage it begins with this word devote and the word devote speaks of Disciplined prayer. It speaks of doing something with intention. And so, my first point is this pray devoted. Pray devoted. I'll make this statement about our prayer. Our prayer must be expectant and enduring. Just so we don't throw a, a major, you know, one sided, you know, singular uh, uh, dimensional idea at you saying, you know, just you know, only pray when you devote yourself. No, no. It's expectant and it's enduring. It means it's okay to pray in your moments, in your day. When you're facing something challenging, stop. Include the Heavenly Father, include Him in what you're doing. Jesus, I need you right now. I was just listening to a testimony of a football player uh, in Florida. His name's Tua. Dad, what's his name? Huh? What position does he play? He's a QB. Cool. I didn't even know that. My my son would know that. Josiah would know. Um, Tua was up, he was sharing his testimony. They asked him about his faith, and he says, Yeah, you know what? For me, my faith is very real. And for me, it's about praying and and connecting with God. He talked about when I'm on the sidelines, you're going to see me, and it's going to look like I'm talking to myself, but I'm not. I'm talking to Jesus the whole time. And I've been taught, he says, as a young man, to speak in tongues. So when I'm up there on the sidelines, I just begin to speak in tongues because I'm connecting to the Father. Isn't that powerful? We need to be more like Tua. Come on, I'm driving in traffic, and there's tongues coming out of my mouth, but they're not godly. And I need to stop, and I need to turn my attention back to Jesus. All right, Lord, here I am. I'm with you. What are you trying to teach me through this? Patience? Perseverance? Because I'm learning. Self-control? Yeah, I need more of that. And just talk to him. God, hey, I'm just having the day today. Today is a rough day. I had so much on my plate, God. I just, I was struggling with it. I was wrestling with it. Lord, I just need you in my life. I thank you so much for your grace in my life. I thank you for my car. You know, sometimes I'll do, I'll be driving, I'll just stop and, and I'm driving like an older car. Like I don't have a cool Tesla or anything like that. Like I've got an older car, but I'll just stop and I'll be like, God, thank you so much for a car that drives, that get me from point A to point B. Thank you so much that today I don't have to worry about it, that I can just you know drive to where I need to be. Thank you that you've provided that for me. Thank you for this beautiful day, the sunshine that's shining outside. Thank you for my amazing wife, Tanya. Thank you for my kids, Josiah, Ashlyn, and Aubrey. Thank you for my family. And I'll just start to to work my way out into the things around me, just thanking God and connecting with him in prayer. Devote yourself to the prayer. Ian Bounds says this, Our praying needs to be pressed and pursued with an energy that never tires a persistency which will not be denied, and a courage that never fails. This idea of devoted means don't stop praying. Come on, that testimony we heard this morning. Praying for your parents. I'm not seeing the change. It doesn't matter. Keep praying. Don't give up. Keep praying. I've not seen the answer yet. It's okay. Keep praying and don't give up. Amen? Romans 12, 12. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. Turn to the person beside you and say, keep on praying. Come on. If number one is pray devotionally, number two, pray intentionally. The next part of this passage says with an alert mind. And that speaks of this idea of intentional prayer. The word uh, relate here is Gregorio. It's, it's Greek. I can't really speak Greek, but whatever. Gregorio, that's what the voice on my computer told me. To take heed, lest through remission and indolence some destructive calamity suddenly overtake one. In others, it's to be intentional in our prayers. 1 Thessalonians 5:17 says, pray without ceasing or never stop praying. And this is I love this from HB Charles. He says this, this does not mean that the church should do nothing but pray, but it means that the church should do nothing without prayer. Intentionally stop in the middle of your day, be persistent. And intentionally include God in what you're doing. I think I, I shared this with you a while back. Um, I, I'm always being challenged in this area in my life. Just to be honest with you, okay. When I'm standing up here today, it's not like, oh, hey, I've got this all figured out. So I just want to teach you how to do it. I, that's not it at all. Okay, just to be really, really clear, this is something that I'm growing in and I'm learning all every day. You know, one of the things that I, challenged me recently about being intentional in prayer. Um, we were at this conference, and a guy was talking about how he had been challenged by an elderly gentleman in his church saying, well, I get on my knees every day before the Lord. And he's like, I need to get on my knees before the Lord. You know what it spoke to me? I need to get on my knees before the Lord. So what I'm trying to do right now is every morning after my run, I'll get back in before I jump in the shower, and I will put a timer on my phone. And at the end of that timer, there's like a little alarm that goes off, and I will get on my knees at my prayer chair and I'll sit there on my prayer chair and I'll pray intentionally and dis- disciplined um, before the Lord in that moment. And it, it's been powerful, you guys. It's been incredible. I, I, it's been amazing. It's this idea of being intentional. The other thing is when I'm driving into the day, I'll think about my day and I'll think about the meetings that I have. And I think about all the challenges that I have that day. And then I'll, I'll very simply and directly say, okay, Jesus, I invite you into this meeting today. Intentionally, I invite you into this. I invite you into this challenge that I'm facing right now. I invite you into, I have, um, you know, a, a financial director's meeting. So, God, I invite you into the financial director's meeting this morning. And I say, God, come have your way. And intentionally including him in my day, even as I go into it. It's very, very practical. Okay, you guys with me? I've only got one more. So you guys with me? Last one? Okay, here it is. Pray with... How fitting is that for today? Being as it is Thanksgiving, pray with thankfulness. A thankful heart speaks of an attitude of prayer that includes God in everything. A thankful heart speaks of an attitude of prayer that includes God in everything. It's interesting that in three different places in his letters, Paul, when he talks about and he challenges and he charges the people he's writing to to pray, he includes this idea of thankfulness. And as I was meditating on this yesterday and thinking about it, I'm like, why would he include thankfulness? And here's my thought. Here's my theory on this. It's easy to pray when you're in a crisis, right? They always say that there's no uh, atheists in the foxholes, It's easy to pray when you're facing something challenging that comes up on you all of a sudden and and, and your first instinct is to turn to God. Oh God, this is way bigger than me. Help me. I just heard this bad news. I just heard this thing that's going on. I just got into a crisis. God, please help me. That's very, very easy. But thankfulness points to a consistent and authentic prayer life where you include God in everything. How many know that you can always be thankful? There's always something that you can be thankful for. One of the categories that we try to have at our dinner table is, what are you thankful for today? Why? Because we're trying to teach our kids, remember, there's always something to be thankful for. First Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18, Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Notice it says, be thankful in all circumstances. That means that whatever you're facing, find the place to be thankful. Find the, the thing to be thankful for. Corey Tenburn Boom says this, is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? Think about it. Spare tire is something you throw on when you need it. Steering wheel is something that steers your day. Make it the steering wheel for your day by being thankful. And the statement I have for this one is our prayers should be authentic and associated. Authentic means from the heart. Authentic means coming from our place of of who we are and where we're at. But then associated means it's in response to what God has done and has yet to do. In other words, we can also connect our prayers back to the Word of God. If you're having a hard time in your moment and in your day and in your season of trying to find something to be thankful for, this Bible is full of promises that you can be thankful for. If you are stuck and you can't seem to find anything, you can know that the Word of God says that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. Thank you, Lord, that you're going to complete the work in me. Thank you, Lord, that your word says that all things work together for the good, for those who love God and are called according to your purposes. Thank you, God, that, 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 that your promises are yes and amen towards me, Lord Jesus. They can be authentic. God, I'm, I'm struggling. I'm going through a hard time right now. But they can also be associated with something greater than what you're facing in that moment. Thank you that my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. Thank you, God, that your word says it. That you became sin, that I might become the righteousness of God in you. Thank you, God, that today, Lord Jesus, you go before me, Lord Jesus. Your word says that you know the end from the beginning. So, God, you've already gone ahead and you've already prepared a way because your word says it. Thank you, God. Thankfulness aligns our minds and our hearts and our will with the reality of Jesus Christ, with the reality of his presence. Philippians 4, 6, be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. How could we not be anxious? How does thanksgiving offset anxiety? It brings us back into awareness of a greater reality, that there is a God, and that he loves us, and that he really, truly does have a plan for our lives, that according to the book of Psalms, he's written down each one of our days in a book before we lived one of them, and though we might not see it right now, he's still working in our lives, as we pursue Him. Church, is that something to be thankful for? Amen. And so I close with this very practical prayer challenge for you today. This week, church, as we value prayer, I want to challenge you to, first of all, we're going to do three Ps, good alliteration. Number one, find a place. For me, it's my prayer chair upstairs. That's my place. Find your place for prayer. Number two, pause. Choose a time. And let's try doing a focused prayer time for five to ten minutes. See, I even just threw some grace in there. It says ten minutes on the screen. I threw some grace in there because maybe all you can do is five minutes. And then finally, pray. Set your mind on things above. Here's some, some things that you could pray. You could pray the Lord's Prayer. As God brings things to your mind, you can bring them to Jesus. It's a good practice of us for prayer is to, to bring our, our, our things of the day. That's one of the, one of the tricks is when you, I don't know what happens for you, but when I sit down to pray right away, I am distracted. My mind is all over the place. I'm trying to focus, and it's just like crazy. Sometimes I have to change my posture. But one of the tricks is when you get, start getting distracted, just, just give it back to Jesus. Hey, God, I'm thinking about eggs this morning. I just give that back to you. Now I'm thinking about the meeting I'm going to have. Lord, I give that to you. It must be there for a reason, so I can give it to you. And give it back to Jesus. Give it back to him. And then finally, it's not literally listed here, but think about thankfulness. What can I be thankful for today? How can I allow that to become the steering wheel of my day? The things that God has done, his greatness, his goodness, his power working in my life. How can I... Be thankful for what he has done, for what he's about to do. And so this morning, I want to give a chance for a response. I want you to picture the passion of the Savior as he goes in to a place where there's there's a flow, things are happening. And something within him stirs up. And he says, no, no, I love these people too much. I love these people too much to leave them the way that they are. I'm gonna do something radical here because I am that committed to being in right relationship with my people. That I'm gonna, I'm gonna start a rebellion against the transactional. I'm going to start a revolution here against the transactional because I want to know my people and I want my people to know me. And so I wonder if there's anybody here today. And let's just bow our heads for a moment, church. Let's just close our eyes for just a moment. Let's just do this this morning. That same passion that was seen in Jerusalem 2000 years ago is here today. Our savior, our healer and our god is here. And he loves you so much that he brought you here this morning to hear this message. And I wonder if there's anybody here today that would say I I, I When I look at this, 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 this contrast, if I were to be honest today, I would say that my relationship with God has become transactional. If that's you, that's the grace of God tugging at your heart today. It is the presence of Jesus who is calling out to you and saying that same revolution that I started in that temple at that day is starting in your heart even now. I refuse to hold back because I love you and because I'm calling you and I'm drawing you to myself. So if that's you this morning, you say, I have been living a transactional life with God. And I hear him, I hear the Holy Spirit calling me back into relationship. If that's you right now, and you need to take a stand, you need to respond to that just, to, just as a sign to yourself and to those around you that no, I'm going after the things of God. I'm not going to let that transactional marketplace, worldly thing remain. I want Jesus, and I want that relationship that he is fighting for with me. If that's you, I just ask you to raise your hand wherever you are. Thank you. I see hands. I see hands. I see hands. Thank you, Jesus. Let's all stand together. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And when we do this, let's just, let's just pray this together. I'm going to pray a prayer. And why don't you just put your hand over your heart for just a moment. And just pray this with me. Heavenly Father, I love you. Thank you that you are passionate about me and about having a relationship with me. And Father, today, I respond to that passion and to that heart. And I say, Lord, please tear away anything that would keep me from you. Help me to pray in communion and relationship with you. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Um, Just as we close today, there's one other thing I'd like to do as the body of Christ. I think it's important. Um, James chapter, uh, the end of James, I think it's chapter 5, it says, the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And when we pray and when we declare the truth of God, there is power in that prayer. And right now, there are world events that are surrounding us. I don't know if you're aware, but there is a a war that has started in Israel. Um, There is a group of terrorists that have attacked that nation in the last few days, and and many people have died, and they've declared it a state of war. And the Bible tells us in Psalm 122, verse 6, it says, Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. Peace be within your walls, prosperity within your palaces. For the sake of my brethren and companions, I will now say to you, peace be within you. And so, in response to the word of God and and to what's happening, I want you just, would you just join me for just a moment, and we're going to pray right now for Israel. We're going to pray for uh, this nation that is in the midst of turmoil, we're going to pray for the Palestinians that are caught in the middle of this. And we're going to pray that God would have his way in this situation. Amen? Amen. You with me? All right. So, Heavenly Father, we pray right now, Lord, you are above all nations. You are the Lord of lords and the King of kings, Lord God. You are the ruler. God, by you, rulers are raised up and torn down, Lord Jesus. Father God, kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our God. And you are in control. Yes, and Father God, we pray for this place right yes, now where there has Jesus. been suffering. God, there has been warfare. God, there has been killing. There has been kidnappings, Lord Jesus. We pray in Jesus' name that you would come and bring peace into that region, yes, Lord Jesus. God. Amen. Oh, Jesus, we pray that, uh, Lord, in the midst of this darkness, Lord God, that the light would shine, Lord Amen. Jesus. Yes, and we pray, Lord God, that you would come by your Holy Spirit and do what no man can do, Bring peace into that region, Lord God. We pray that your justice would overflow. God, you are our mighty warrior. You are our justice, Lord Jesus. And we pray that you would have your way in that circumstance and in that situation, Lord God. Father God, we thank you that you are above all nations. You are Lord and Savior of all. And Father God, we even pray that through this, Lord Jesus, there would be revival that would break out. That there would be people who would encounter the Savior. God, that there would be people that would encounter the Mashiach, the, the Messiah and King, who is Jesus. Father, we ask it now in Jesus' name. Give wisdom to the leaders, Lord God, and let there be a peaceful resolution to this situation. Father, we ask for it now in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. Lord, I just thank you for each person here today. God, bless them good. Help them to be filled with your presence, Lord God. Help them to leave encouraged and full of life. Lord Jesus, let us remember to include you in our daily life, Lord Jesus. Let us remember to walk beside you, Lord God, and not just come to you when we have a need, but God, to include you in everything that we do. We love you, Lord. I'm giving each one here now a a special blessing upon each one. Thank you. Thank you, thank you for what you've done. And thank you for what you're about to do. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen.